I'm Jessica, and this is Homecoming, finding yourself in life's little moments. So, dear listeners, I'm sitting in the same spot where I made the previous podcast, which is in this beautiful little cove, and it's in the evening, about 7 p.m. in January, which here in the Southern Hemisphere is summer, so the sun is still up, and it is still warm, and its radiance is reflecting off the surface of the water, and there's this little bay here. You'll probably hear people in the background swimming, children, and enjoying themselves, and the sun is just a beautiful, beautiful presence. So podcast that I'm going to make now is something that is very, very close to my heart, and it's not an easy subject. Some of what I'll describe is not an easy subject. Now, I know sometimes people have actually said to me that they enjoy sharing my podcasts with their children, and even some of them have lent themselves to sort of bedtime stories. I'm not sure if this is one of them. I just want to say that to begin. And at the same time, this is something that I feel very compelled to share with you because I think it's just an essential kind of contemplation and recognition. And it's taken me some time to percolate on this. And there are various things that have happened over these last few weeks that have compelled me to want to to share this with you, I think, in an even more urgent way. So I think I'll start with something that I observed several days ago, and I was swimming in the water, and it was in the bay where it's not too rough, and that's often where the family swim and the children come, because the parents, it's more easy for them to make sure that their children are safe, and the water's not rough and full of strong waves, so it's a lovely place for, for the families to come. And I was there swimming, and I was watching the children as I as I love to do. And there was a girl on a small surfboard, and her father was steadying the surfboard out in the water some ways, and she was sitting on it and paddling with her hands, and he was steadying the board and helping to steer it. But then at a certain point, he said to her, Now you get off the surfboard and start to swim. And this girl was young. She was probably four or five and out of her depth. So where they were, where she was on the surfboard was clearly deeper than she was tall. But the father was intent upon her swimming. So he began to push her towards the edge of the surfboard and she became increasingly scared and began to cry, and she became even more scared, and he kept pushing her and insisting that she jump off into the water. And she became beside herself and began to just shake, and he pushed her even more and pushed her even more. And finally she was left no choice but to land in the water, and she just began to paddle ferociously and with enormous panic. And her mom was actually standing in the water some distance away, and she saw that her mom was there, so she began to paddle towards her mother. 
and she was uh, crying and paddling like doggy paddle trying to get to her mom and finally she reached her mom and she just wrapped her arms around her mother and sobbed she was so scared she didn't know if she could do it she was forced off the surfboard she was out of her depth perhaps she had already learned to swim to some extent but not to any extent where she was at home in the water that was clear so here this girl was completely panicked and she was finally with her mom and and held her so tight sobbing and sobbing and sobbing and sobbing in the panic that she had that she had just felt in the trauma of being pushed by her father off the surfboard so i was watching that girl very intently and what was interesting was that after that she had some friends nearby one other girl who was a friend clearly and so she joined her friend and she was standing in the water she was now in her depth she could stand and she joined her friend and and then her friend's father and there was such a different feeling to me about her friend and her friend's father her friend's father was so supportive of his little girl and i was comparing them the two girls i was looking at the two girls and it was extraordinary because the girl who had just gone through all this panic her face was darkened she was so sad and traumatized and her eyes were dark and underneath her eyes were dark circles and her face was sunken her face was dark and there she was with her friend who looked just the opposite she was light and happy and so i was just looking at the scene and so the the girl who had just gone through all this trauma joined her friend on another surfboard and they began to paddle around together a little bit i just was so struck with the difference in the looks of those two girls one was just at ease and happy and the other was so sad and traumatized and slowly i could see over time as she was with her friend she began to regain herself a little bit and become happy a little bit again but i could feel the weight of what had happened to her in her psyche and her demeanor and her even physically in her the look of her and her face i could see what had happened to her so i was observing that and feeling i think in reflection how sensitive we are now these things happen to us so that happened to that little girl and over time she'll grow and over time she'll become an older little girl and then a teenager and then a 20-year-old and then a 30-year-old and then a 40-year-old and 50 and on and 60 and she'll become an adult in that time and she'll grow and she'll come into adulthood having experienced what I saw and maybe many other things too I don't know but she'll grow into adulthood like so many of us grow into adulthood having experienced something traumatic and I don't know if that little girl will remember what she experienced or not I don't know I think so often we forget what we've experienced now here's something that's a little bit is related but I recently saw an interview with the Lady Gaga and I think that Lady Gaga is an interesting 
person. And she was interviewed by Stephen Colbert, and she was talking about her own past and her own experience of trauma. She was talking about how physiologically and in terms of brain science and so on, that trauma becomes stored in the inner recesses of the brain, in certain parts of the brain. It becomes stored and held there, almost as if it's held in a box. That's how she described it. And that box may not be opened for the entire rest of one's lifetime, but it's still there being held in the inner recesses of one's experience and one's psyche and one's consciousness. And she said, you know, that that's what happens because that's the only way that we can actually go on, that we can continue. It's a survival mechanism. That's what she was talking about. And I was so struck by that because I thought, yes, that is very interesting. So I think about that now, thinking about that girl and thinking about all of us. You see, I mean, I live in this place where... There are hundreds and thousands of people who come every day. They come here to enjoy the water like I do. They come with their children. They come from places far afield, sometimes overseas. Often they're people who are just visiting as tourists or in other parts of the city of Sydney. They come here to enjoy the water as I do. And all these people, I see them every day walking and walking along this beautiful walkway. And I think to myself, what have those people been through? What is any of them been through, you see. So I want to share something else with you. So this is another part of why I've been contemplating this recently. And that is because I was sitting at, oh, probably two or three weeks ago, I was sitting up on the headland. So that's overlooking the ocean. That's my favorite bench where I look over the vastness of the ocean, the horizon stretched out in the distance. The next landmass is seven thousand miles away. That's California. That's the coast of California. That's the next landmass, and there's nothing but water between here and there. So I was sitting up there contemplating the horizon, which I love to do. I find that it just eases my mind. I think what it does is it opens those recesses that have had to have become closed in order for me to survive all these years, and it allows a peace to come into my existence, into my life, into my awareness, and I feel the presence of the eternal, of something which never changes, of that which is inherently trustworthy where I know I can place all of my faith in that so the ocean is like this beautiful 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 thing so and presence in my life so I was sitting up there as I do many days and I began to register I think it was sort of subconsciously I began to register the sound of a siren a police siren an ambulance I didn't know what it was but I kind of didn't really pay too much attention at first, but then I started to see or I started to hear it come closer, which is a little bit unusual because where I'm sitting, there's not habitation up there or anything. Um, There are usually not that many people up there. But I was beginning to track with my hearing. I was beginning to hear the ambulance come, or police, I didn't know what it was, that sirens come closer, and I was able to sort of track the sound along the the streets. And I know this topography fairly well in the streets, so I began to realize that that sound was starting to come close to where I was. And I thought, that's strange. And I began to look around, and 
I didn't see anything. And so I sort of decided at that point I would head down to head home, perhaps. And as I was coming down the little drive, a police car came hurtling down the street. And I was walking and I had to sort of jump over onto the curb because it was going so fast. And these two policemen were in this police car and it was coming down and then it whipped around the turn and up towards the headland, the cliff, which I can see from my bench, this high cliff that overlooks the ocean. And I sort of was strange, strange, it was strange. And I turned and I walked back towards to see what was going on, and the car had stopped, the police car had stopped, the police had jumped out, and in no time at all, they had made their way, they ran down the cliff. I mean, this is a very steep cliff, incline, rocky incline, down to the water. I, in in no time they were down there, and I suddenly I saw I looked over and there they were they were they were walking down on the rocks at the water's edge and uh, where the waves come sort of crashing in and uh, it was amazing to me that they were that able to get down there so fast and it began to become clear as I was talking to some other people that somebody had just jumped off that cliff it was a very 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 strange feeling in this place that I've come to love and know and cherish and rely upon for my deepest sanctuary and ease of being to realize that somebody just had jumped off the the cliff up above where I was sitting and I didn't see it you know and nor did I see anything else because it was whatever happened was around the other side of that cliff so I couldn't see around but I saw that that's where the police had run so I was thinking to myself oh my god there was somebody there who ended their life most likely because I have no idea how someone would survive falling like that I have no idea that ended their life there, that most likely ended their life there, I mean. And what would have been going on for them, that that would have been the resort, their last resort, the action that they chose to make. And I was so shocked and unnerved, and I was thinking and thinking about this and thinking about that person, and I thought, what would have happened to that person that they would have chosen to do that and the more I began to think about it the more my mind went not to whatever pathology and I put that in quotation marks pathology or quote depression or quote crisis you know that they were embroiled in whatever state of mind they were overwhelmed by that's not what I was thinking I was wondering to myself no what happened to them that they would have chosen to do this you know our lives are so precious one's life is so precious what would have happened to them 
So it was really at that point, I'd never experienced anything like that. And it was at that point that I began to formulate these thoughts, these this almost conviction that we have to begin to ask ourselves, not about somebody's, quote, pathology, depression, quote, unquote, mental illness, all of these labels that we give each other. And I tell you, I just feel my heart aches when I think about it. Like I'm just, I just want to cry when I think about how we label people because it's not about that at all. I mean, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a mental health professional. I'm not any of these things. But what I do is I observe the human spirit in people. I observe people. I observe as things happen to them, good and bad. I observe the impact. I observe the human condition in its myriad manifestations. And I think, oh my gosh, we are actually so sensitive. Like Lady Gaga says, when things happen to us, that trauma, we store it away, we forget about it, we forget that it happened, perhaps, you know, and yet we still are so deeply affected by it, deeply affected. And it's almost as if there's this whole dimension of life that is present amongst us, individually and collectively, individually each of us has had our experiences and these are things that are there in the background of who we are any of us you know because I don't think really that anyone escapes trauma you know I think there are degrees of it and there are huge degrees of it you know there are people who have gone through enormous enormous trauma enormous and there are people who have been spared by the grace of God that and haven't gone through as much or there are people who some fall somewhere in the middle but life you know is not easy and we don't understand what we often do to others you know I just can't help but think of Jesus and I don't know whether or not one is a Christian or not I don't think it matters but really in the end you know what what I'm so impressed by when I think about the words that he said you know is we know not what we do we know not from whence we've come, we know not what we do, but look at thee then, you know, I was there faced with the effect of what happened to someone in their life there on that cliff that day, not long ago. So that's the thing, is that we are all living and moving and breathing, and it's as if there's just dimension behind us, deeper than the surface. That's what happened. So I have an enormous, I almost feel like this is the most important podcast that I've made up to this point, because there is an enormous need for us to recognize and release the pathologies, the categories, the labels that we have put on ourselves and others to release it in the light of what has actually happened, to take the weight off, you know, it's like taking the weight off one's shoulders, taking the weight off another's shoulders, taking the weight off. Now, I have been granted the incredible opportunity to work with people with disabilities like Down syndrome, autism, blindness, cerebral palsy, 
Now, these are all labels, right? They're all labels, and that's why I'm, I'm saying these to you to somehow convey what I thought myself as I entered into working with people who have quote-unquote disabilities. This was some years ago I began at a place called Riverbrook Residence for Women in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. And I happened upon that place. I knocked on the door of that a beautiful Berkshire cottage. That's what they, in the Berkshires of Western Massachusetts, they call these wonderful stately homes cottages. That's where wealthy families would make their summer homes in the early 1900s. And, and they've now been, they're now used for other purposes if they're still around. So this one was repurposed for um, a very beautiful home for 23 women with developmental disabilities. And I happened to knock on their door one day because I needed work. And I taught piano and I was a music teacher. I'm still a music teacher. And I thought, well, maybe they need a teacher. So I was living in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, then myself, not far really, only about a three-minute drive. So I went and I knocked on the door, and one of the ladies, one of the beautiful women who lives there, opened the door, and as soon as she did, she greeted me with this incredible smile, and she invited me in, and I came in, and I ended up speaking to the director and to some of the people there, and it turns out that their music teacher had just left, and they needed one. So I began to work with the women of Riverbrook residents, And that, for me, was a turning point in my life. It's part of what I think compels me and enables me to be able to speak about this from a perspective that I think is just so vital. Because when I began to sit at the piano in improvised duet with the women there, what I saw was a kind of beauty that defied whatever quote-unquote physical, emotional, cognitive, psychological, developmental disability any of them might have had. What I heard when they sat down with me at the piano was the most incredible beauty. And I realized that I had to drop everything I knew about what it means to be human and realize that we are formed in the likeness of God. That's what that experience demonstrated to me because the beauty that's in each of us, the beauty that was in each of those women and still is, and what I heard at the piano when they were given this chance to to suddenly be able to create music freely, you know? They didn't have to learn notes. They didn't have to do anything except place their hands on the keys. And I placed my hands on the keys. And there we were together, sitting on a piano bench, beginning to improvise together. Those moments formed me into a different person in myself. It, it released something in me. People would then say to me afterwards, oh, it's, isn't it so wonderful, the work that you're doing with people with disabilities? I say to them, you have no idea. You have no idea. That experience saved me because not only could I see for the first time the essence of who each of us is, and I'm talking about each of us. It doesn't matter who we are, any of us, quote-unquote with disabilities or not. There's no distinction There's really no distinction, that's for sure. And I realized, no, wait, this has saved me because 
the expression of the beauty that was in them and them feeling safe. I felt safe with them. There was a guilelessness. There was a a lack of pretense, a lack of any sense of needing to be anyone other than who any of them were. And that's incredible. That was a grace for me, the likes of which I had no idea was coming. And there it was, sitting there on the keyboard, you know, at the keyboard with the women of Riverbrook Residence for Women in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. So there are many tributaries that have led to this sort of stream that's become more a river, that's become more a strong current, strong grand current in my own life that is a conviction that we have to let go of all of the pathologizing. And there I was, up there at that cliff, when that person took their life. That's most probably what happened. And I thought that was the catalyst. That was like the spark to me that made me realize this is something of enormous importance. Because if we could back up and ask ourselves and contemplate a couple of things simultaneously. One, what has happened to us that has actually impacted us from that early time or later that has created trauma in our life, difficulty that has impacted who we come into the world as, which is inherently a being of innocence, innocence. You know, a child, a baby is undefended. We are by definition undefended as young people. You know, I have to tell you that here, this might sound like a sort of departure from what I'm talking about, but here there are these wonderful sort of turkeys that run around, okay? And they're quite used to people. I know this sounds like a complete tangent, but it's really important because I was walking and just a few weeks ago, it was the time when those turkeys were giving birth. What I saw were these little baby turkeys. I didn't even realize what they were at first. They were little baby turkeys, and they were sort of dotted here and there in the landscape, but there was nobody around. There was no mama turkey to protect them, and I later found out that when the tur- those turkeys give birth to their their offspring, they sort of, those, those little babies are out to fend for themselves. And I think, oh my gosh, that's incredible. So we humans have something very beautiful because we protect our young. We should be protecting our young because we are, we're so vulnerable. We're so vulnerable. So that's the thing, you know, and then when something happens to us at whatever age, you know, there were many things that happened to me when I was young, and I didn't realize, actually, the impact that that those things had. I didn't realize. My life moved on, and I was compelled in here and there and here and there and made choices. Many of those choices were really not conscious choices. Some of them were, but I tell you, it was really by the grace of God that I came out in really, in the sense, the other side of so much of what happened to me that I can now even begin to reflect on it and say how significant those things are. So there are two things that I feel so strongly about. One is to go back and trace back to what happened to a person so that we can understand why 
they would be the way they are. You know, there's cause and effect. And it's very weird to me that there seems to be this sort of blind spot. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not a mental health professional. This is not to be considered in any way, shape, or form mental health advice. It's not. I just don't understand why we can take the complete burden off the per- off the person and just go back to actually just what happened and say, okay, let's look at actually just what happened and take that to heart and take to heart simultaneously the fact that each of us is created in God's likeness. We are created in the image of God. What does that mean at its very essence? It means that we are innocent. It means that the essence of us is deeply, deeply beautiful. And I've seen this through the music. So I've been given almost a glimpse into what the deepest part of a person is. That's what I feel I mean when I say that we're cast in the image and the likeness of God, because we really are. It's extraordinary. And at the same time, we're so sensitive. We're so easily impacted. We're not made of steel. We're not, you know, we're not. So this is really what I wanted to talk about today, dear listeners, because so much has happened over these last few weeks that has compelled me to contemplate these thoughts. And I just feel so strongly that we have to release this whole notion of what pathology is and begin to actually look at the deepest essence of who we are. And that's the truth of it. So with that, dear listeners, I will bid you adieu for now. I thank you for listening. This was something that I've been thinking about so much and wanting to share with you. And I just feel what an incredible revolution it would be when we actually release the weight of every single one and say, okay, what was it that happened? Why is it that you feel the way you do? Let's allow that to just be what it is and know that we are truly cast in the likeness of God. Amen.